It's JJ DiGeronimo, and we are in season three of Career Strategies for Women That Work. I select every episode with you in mind, a woman searching and striving for more influence and impact. With research and insight, I've invited some really exciting guests to season three. Many of them have books that you can follow up with and even discuss in your women's groups. And like many of them, I'm launching my next book, Seeking, 74 Key Findings to Raise Your Energy, Sidestep Your Self-Doubts, and Align with Your Life's Work. With so much to discuss, let's jump in. Hello, hello, it's JJ DiGeronimo, and I am here with Brenda Wenzel today. She has a new book out called I Wish I'd Known This. And this is something very true to the work that I do with women because I feel like so many women have to not only be working in their career, but they have to be working on their career. And there really is a difference. And this specifically comes into play, I believe, after the age of 35, when it gets really much harder to get into strategic roles and there are really key steps we need to take. So today, Brenda and I are going to talk about three common blind spots of women in the workplace. So Brenda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, JJ. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all the work you've been doing for women out there. It takes all of us pulling together, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does. And I feel like we can't be talking about this enough because for so many years, women sort of have thought, well, if I do my job and I do a great job in my job, things will happen. And for some, this does happen. It really does. But for many, 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 many women in the workplace, there needs to have more strategy and more of a plan. You know, we sometimes say getting the work done is only part of getting the job done. And that's really what we talk about in this book. It's about what are what is the work of the work? And how do we take ownership for our own career journeys and make them more intentional, make them more purposeful? So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's really what this is all about is some patterns of thinking that we noticed from our hundreds and hundreds of women we've coached all around the world and at various levels. And we find that these things keep popping up and they either can they either can derail us if we, if we don't catch them soon enough uh, or at the very least they can get us stuck. Uh, but if we. If we know them ahead of time and we put purposeful effort around it, it actually can give us lift and it can take years of scar tissue off of us. And if we get proactive about it. So we wanted to share that with the world of working women of any profession, because we think these are things that historically follow us. And we have no doubt that if women get a hold of these earlier, they can get great lift from them. I love that. And I have to say, you know, I do a lot of keynote speaking at women's events and just two weeks ago, I was in Toronto and we had a room of about 150 women. And I asked how many of you have hired a coach? And it's less than 10% almost every single time. But I always say, look around, look at the hands that are up, think about their career. Most of the women that have coaches are in more strategic positions, are in leadership roles. So it's a great validation how important it is if you have professional goals, if you desire to have more impact than you have today, having somebody that's working on your behalf to make that so is so critical. So I'm a huge believer in hiring a coach when you really want to step up or step in in a new way. Absolutely. And, and just even in transitions, you know, sometimes we take on new 
opportunities. We need to think differently. We need to work differently. And sometimes a coach can push you right into that, make you do things uh, that you, you hadn't thought to do before or that you just need some some push to do. It's one reason we wrote this book, because we are coaches. And from our perspective, there are women who, who can't get a coach, you know, for one reason or another. But we think that, you know, by putting these things in this package, in this book, it was a way of saying, hey, even if you can't get a coach, here's a way to have a coach on your shoulder, so to speak, as you read it. And, and we're purposeful in the book about asking questions that we would ask if we were sitting with you, telling you stories that we might tell you if we were sitting with you, sharing with you what we know has worked and hasn't. Those kinds of things, it's just the book's chock full of a lot of that. And so if if you're a woman out there working and you can't get a hold of a coach, maybe it's not an economic investment you're ready to make yet. Maybe this can help you and give you lift and get you thinking about things that uh, you can take on. I love that. I love this. And Nicole wrote this with Catherine Heath, who we will probably have on later in the season. So we're excited about that. But tell us a little bit about how the two of you decided to do this work together. Well, Dr. Catherine Heath is a great friend and colleague, and she has, you know, invested her career outside of the corporate environment into this work with advancing women. And so she's a great researcher. She's a great writer. She has two books already that were bestsellers. And so uh, when she and I came along and accidentally one day in talking, recognized that we're hearing some of the same patterns over and over. We were curious about that. Like, why is this happening? Why is it that Things like not paying as much attention to feedback and how to cultivate that, not having this ability to prepare and practice in our professions the way great athletes and performers do in theirs. And there's just six patterns that keep keep holding us back in cases. And so it was our joint conversation about this curiosity that got us into talking about this with groups of audiences, men and women, actually. But we, when the pandemic hit, we can no longer talk in person with audiences about it. So we started writing about it. And that's kind of where the book came from. It is, seems very relevant to our male colleagues in the workplace too, but we, we based it on patterns from a research perspective seen coming from women. So we, we can say for a fact, these are, these are issues that women have. But it appears that some of our male colleagues do as well. Oh, certainly. And it's funny because even last week at the event, a couple of men came up to me and I said, said, you know, I'm, I know you're going to speak to women, but I struggle with self-doubt. I struggle with imposter syndrome. So I know men, and I actually had the opportunity to talk to Pauline about imposter syndrome, and she said it's equal across genders. But I feel like women seem to pay attention a little bit more to it and don't have as much support in the corporate structure to kind of push through it to really build that self-efficacy. So with that, your book, I Wish I'd Known This, Six Career Accelerating Secrets for Women Leaders. I know we're going to talk about three today, so let's jump into them. So what are what is the first common blind spot for women in the workplace? Well, one of them I want to share is this mashup word. And I'm going to jump to reputationality because it's my favorite. And it's also so significant. Reputationality is a word that we, that we sort of started putting together in our work with women. Often we'll call it branding, you know, borrowing a term from the marketing industry and sales industry, marketing products and companies is very similar to how we market ourselves. I mean, all the principles apply. But in our work with women, there's something sort of disingenuous that comes across with the idea of branding. You know, a lot of women are sort of resistant to the idea of packaging themselves to fit a corporate box or to fit a company box or image. And so 
we've noticed that women intellectually grab this concept very quickly, understanding it and its value benefit, but they're eager to push and incorporate their personality, who they are, their core values, their identity, their DNA, the things that they are as a person. And so we sort of have started using the term reputationality because it really is this mashup for women, at least, of your reputation, your credentials, what you're known for, why people call you, what's your artiste, and then your personality, which is the last part of the word, which is who are you? And we think when you put those two things together, something powerful happens because there's only one you. And we want to encourage women to pull forward really who they are into their roles and into their expertise because that's the differentiating thing about it. Often women are so busy and stay so busy that we under-index on paying attention with, to this thing. We're intellectually, we know we need to do it. We've not coached a single woman who's not aware of this topic and that they need to do it. But often it sort of takes a back, a backstage uh, role. We're, we're busy doing the work. We're busy attending to life and we're pulled in all these directions that it really does take some discipline and skill to keep your reputationality in motion, keep reinventing yourself, continue to communicate what you do, what you want to do. And it's, it's not going to just happen and precede you all the time. Uh, and so there's a discipline around keeping up with it that we see women sort of let it fall off the wayside too, too often. And we also say that you've got to know what you're known for on that reputation side. You know, we're all known for something. And what we say to the women we work with is you need to get out there and ask some questions, you know, to see that what you are putting out in the world is actually what they're picking up. And if it's not what you want it to be, then you have to do some work to go about getting it back on the course. But if it is what you want, then it's a, a win. It's about communicating it. I love this one. I think it, it will give us the most lift if we put time, you know, return on time and energy invested. This one will give you big lift. So that's one of them. I love that. Um, and I have to say, like I do, you know, I talk to women like women use 50% more words, but only a third of the detail on their resume. So it is so important that women can talk about how they move the needle because as Elena talks about it for women who code, she says, you know, if women can't talk about their successes, how do they expect other people to do it? So I could not agree with you more, Brenda, that you really have to know you're kind of, why does it matter that you're there? Because yes. if you are not confident about it, how could you possibly expect others to be confident for you? It is so true. So part of this discipline around reputationality is number one, you got to get to know what it is. What, what do you want it to be? And then secondly, the skill is around how do we communicate that to the world? And this is where it's really, really hard for us because somewhere along the way, we've been socialized to not brag and to not, you know, be for thinking about ourselves in that way. And so the art for women on this one is to work on this in such a way that they're able to start communicating what their expertise is and where they add value in a way that aligns with who they are, in a way that aligns with their personality. And, you know, sharing what you do, what you get excited about, isn't that hard once you can put it all together in a way that seems genuine to you and authentic to who you are. And so, but it takes work. It takes preparation practice, which actually is my next fine spot there for you. Yes, yes. And let's jump into that next. But I will say that, you know, if you don't invest in you, I can guarantee no one else will. So the fact that you have a book that really focuses in on how to do that so that when they do make the time, they have tools to use. 
Yes, reading through that chapter on asking the hard questions, it gives you some tips around how to go, go about asking and finding out what your reputation is right now and then what to do with that. So I love that. So let's jump right into blind spot number three that will really help women in the workplace. Well, I actually, another two. One. My, sad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> well, just can't wait to get to the third one, can I you, can't. You know, this this other one, we did a chapter on uh, our blind spot around how important preparation and practice is to us as professionals in the workspace. When you hear practice and preparation, a lot of times our mental thinking goes to, oh, you know, a presentation, a formal presentation in front of a board or in front of a group of people or whatever it is. And yes, that is clearly a spotlight moment. But there are so many other items that fill up our day, our week, our year, our work, our jobs that we sometimes don't think about in terms of preparing for and practicing for. And I'll give you an example. You know, if you could ask yourself, as we do in this chapter, what is your particular point of view on an aspect of the business or an aspect of the initiative that you're endorsing or pushing? Finding a point of view so that it is backed by data and fact backed by whatever other research you have, honed to a craft of how you communicate it, how you defend it, or how you are open to feedback in it. We'd be hard-pressed to find, uh, we're hard-pressed to find a lot of women who have really spent time invested in preparing and practicing for this. And I'm not going to say that no one does it because they do. And when they do, it, it's noticeable. And in that way, we think of ourselves like athletes. You know, uh, musicians, stage performers, they're working their craft all the time. If you think about it, they're, they are over-indexing on working on the fundamentals, working on the basics. And why aren't we doing that as well? Why aren't we taking a relentless and critical look at the things we spend our time on each week? And are we preparing and practicing enough to make those things worth our time and our while? Or, as we often do, I'm guilty of running back to back cramming everything in. And we sort of wing it because we've got a lot of years of history. We've got a lot of experience. We know some of the players. And our message in this chapter is, what if you, you double down on that preparation and practice piece in such a way that we say here that uh, professionals practice until they get it right. We say practice until you cannot get it wrong. And what this means is your point of view becomes crystal clear you're able to influence things and people and decisions before they ever come to a table. You're able to create greater impact and lift when we do this. And we think this one is huge for us. And we've seen it change women's capacity, what they have on their plate. We've seen them get relentless about what they are willing to say yes to and what they're willing to say no to or not now to. And this is huge for our capacity to focus on the right work at the right time. Yes, I love that. And I think you know, you talk about scheduling time and I think just making the time in your schedule. You know, I really, at the end of my tech career, I would put about two hours into my schedule of things that I really had to do to work on myself and kind of my own professional positioning. And I wouldn't move it and I wouldn't dismiss it until I did it. So I think for many of us, believing that we are worth it to schedule the time to really invest not only where we are, but where we want to have that next level of impact. 
Totally. I mean, meetings, that's our stage. If you think about a lot of professional women, this is, and anyone, professional men and women, I mean, where we show up a lot is these meetings that we run back and forth to. These phone calls and Zoom calls we're constantly required to be on because of our involvement in whatever work we have. What we say here is, listen to some of the questions in this chapter. Think about how you show up. Think in advance about where your energy is needed and required because what we found in coaching women is that they're actually able to clear up some capacity for themselves because they're much more discriminating on the things that they show up for. And if many of the women, if they can't find a great reason for their voice being in that room, they might delegate to a colleague. They might handle that interaction a different way. So there's a lot of possibility in this one. But we should pay as much attention to our craft as any other professional performers out there. And that's really what this is about. Well, I think it's awesome. And really, like you said, you know, if you can't afford a coach or you don't have time for a coach, the book is perfect because it gets you started. And I think a lot of what coaching does for a lot of women is it gives them permission to prioritize themselves. Absolutely. That's And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. So as we're rounding the corner for number three. Yes. Installing a GPS. This is where this idea of that comes in for us. What we know from research and what we have seen in our work is that women tend to not get a lot of good actionable feedback. Sometimes we're waiting for that annual review to come back and we get what we get. Other times people might be afraid to give us things that are helpful to us. And the further we go, the harder it is. So we think it's really, really important here to, if you're on a journey to get from point A to point B in your career, then think of it out like taking a trip to a destination that's out there. You know, a GPS is invaluable to us these days. You hit that thing and it's going to tell you a a faster route to get there or maybe one where there's more food along the way or a gas stop or it might tell you when you're off course. And so this analogy is very similar. Once we set our sights on something, how do we know where we are? How do we know if we've taken a wrong turn? How do we know if there is a turn ahead? And so this idea of feedback is very similar to this GPS. We want you to install women to install in their careers. It's this art of cultivating information from sources that know you, see you, watch you, that you respect to give you very specific guidance on where you are. And it's in that way that we know, do we need to take a left turn? Did we miss the turn back there? And we need to circle back. What is it? So we use this analogy in here, but it really is about our knowing that careers can get off rail. Our careers can just go off rail if we don't know where we are on the journey. And so this is kind of where that idea of getting the work done is only part of getting the job done. You've got to know where you are and you've got to take time to cultivate that. And so this chapter helps with the idea of how do I go ask? What do I ask for? What if I get feedback I don't like or want? What do I listen to? Which part of the feedback do I need to action on and which do I just sort of let it go? And we like to think about this in terms of themes and patterns and follow the those things that you think can give you greater lift or at least not derail you. And we think great careers are built on strengths. So For women that we coach a lot of times, they are still not fully embracing the greatness they bring, the strengths they bring. And you can see it when you're delivering a feedback report with them. They're fast over all the good stuff and they want to know what's off rail. And if they can figure out who said it, even better, right? (laughs) So we want women to get into a different thinking pattern about getting feedback. Sit with your strengths. 
I mean, really digest your strengths because those are the things that are going to return on time invested. They're going to give you better lift and they're superpowers. We women tend to think that we've got a strength in something and everybody can do that. We coached one woman who got great feedback on her execution skills, great technician. She was, all of these were like page after page of great stuff and she wasn't happy with the feedback. And we asked her, why not? And she said, well, I, you know, what I want to be known for is a strategic thinker and leader in the business. And so some of this is, okay, well, part of this is reputationality. And part of this is what do you do with this feedback now? And to stay focused on all those great things that got her in the game. And so we find that women sometimes discount significantly their strengths. And we all know that we have to have those to get us out of trouble give us greater lift. You watch athletes in this regard. They're constantly playing to their strengths and trying to minimize things that could hurt them or derail them. And that's what this chapter is about. It's about installing this ability to gain an awareness of how you're doing, where you are on your journey, and course correct if you need to. Well, I think this is fantastic. So I hope everyone listening will really think about how they're doing this right now and where they could use a little bit of help. Because I feel like books like this, especially from two industry experts for women in business, is so instrumental because you'll get so much packed into the book that really helps you decide what's going to work now, what maybe you put on hold and work on after the first of the year, and maybe what you need to do long term. So thank you, Brenda. And I really look forward to reading more of your book. I'm about halfway through. So I wish I'd known this. And I think for many of us, we need these six career accelerating secrets for women leaders because we are so busy delivering all the time that oftentimes we need some parallel activities that can help us slow down, take a look of where we've been and what is possible moving forward. So thank you so much for your expertise, your wisdom, and your action-based strategies for women that listen to this podcast. Thank you, JJ. Thank you for all you are doing for women as well. I think we lock arms and we all try to lift each other up and we're going to be in a, a better place. I love that. I love that. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you so much.